Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is Messages for Sunday, December 18th, 2022. My name is Melvin Gaines. Happy to have you here with us today. We're going to go ahead and get started with the message, and it's going to be continuing the message in my series of A Spiritual Journey, and this message is entitled A Spiritual Journey, The Trinity. So let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Thanks for being here. Lord, thank you for this time to sit before you now, Lord, and hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your teaching, Lord. We would not have any knowledge of you without it. We would not be in any way uh, adequate before you because except for your grace and your mercy, and the fact that you love us so much that you want us to know more about you. And we thank you, Lord, for this time. And Lord, as we get closer to Christmas, may we indeed live in such a manner where we're honoring and glorifying you in all of our actions and our deeds, our words. I thank you, Lord, for this time that we live in, where your name is being proclaimed in many, many different ways. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing for us. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As part of our spiritual journey today, together, I'm sharing with you a period of my life when I first had exposure to life in the big city of Cleveland. Uh, after working in my uncle's florist shop for a year, <clears throat> pardon me, and going to college at Case Western Reserve University, and this was after the graduation from high school, I applied for and got a job working at Burroughs Brothers at 419 Euclid Avenue in 1978. After work, in order to get home in the afternoon, I had to make the walk from Euclid Avenue down to Public Square to catch the rapid transit train to my house in the Lee Harvard area. I loved that walk in the afternoon because of the sights and sounds and the smell of freshly roasted cashews from the King Nut Company. Every now and then, I would encounter uh, a legendary street peach preacher excuse me, that had a booming voice and moved people to consider the need for Jesus in their lives. Well, in one specific encounter, I saw that he was ahead of me on Euclid Avenue, and admittedly, I wasn't very comfortable with him. It may have been his voice or his personality, not really sure, but... When I got to where he was standing, he looked me in the eye and said, You need Jesus, young man. In a voice similar to his, I responded, I have Jesus, sir. I think I was a little embarrassed for the attention because there were other people around us, but I also knew that I had lied to him. I didn't have a clue as to what it meant to need Jesus or have Jesus. But I look back on that moment as one of the Holy Spirit's first words of a communication to me about Jesus. From then on, my lie that day would continue to spiritually nudge me. I'd be thinking more about who Jesus was and why the preacher was so adamant that I needed him. I was 19 years old in 1978, and I was looking everywhere, including the wrong places, for answers to questions about life. I thought that I was a good person. 
But I learned over time that I was, in fact, a very common sinner. I recognized my flaws, and I could no longer rationalize through my sins or make excuses for them. God had to show me that my primary focus needed to be on Jesus in humility with a heart of repentance and the need for forgiveness from Jesus. It was time for me to accept him as Lord of my life. And it took a few years after my one-on-one -on -one encounter with a street preacher, but I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior in June of 1986. I remember it just like it was yesterday. And yet that was just the beginning. The Holy Spirit brought me to the feet of Jesus and there was much more to come. I had to learn about how God runs his universe and more about, more about who Jesus was his kingdom, and the workings of the Holy Spirit. Fast forward to today. I'm still learning about each of those things and more. This message will look closely at how God has revealed and presented himself in Scripture and how we are to see him today. It's going to be a very brief communication because there's so much you can say about it. Uh, a brief communication about the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three different and distinct persons, and yet one God. Amen. Now, if you're going to look at me to provide you an explanation as to how God can be all these things, as he has stated, then you're looking in the wrong direction. I can't explain it at all, and neither can anyone truly explain it. But what you or I cannot explain does not mean that it can't be true. None of us have the minds of God to make such a contemplation. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Isaiah chapter 55. Let's look at Isaiah 55, and we're going to look at verses 8 and 9, and then also verse 11. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 and then also verse 11. Now I'll be reading this from the New Living Translation, Isaiah 55, starting at verse 8. My thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are are higher than your thoughts. And then drop to verse 11. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do, all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. We're still learning about God because of this very important truth. God is anything but ordinary. He is extraordinary. And he continues to reveal himself to us in many different ways in Scripture. Now, understanding the principles of the Trinity require these two premises. Number one, God's word is true. There is nothing false with it. God's word is true. There is nothing false within it. Within it. That's a very simple statement. Number two, faith is required to see God's truth and his glory. 
Now, this faith, of course, is in the risen Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father as approved by God. How important is this faith? It is foundational in recognizing the power and ability of Jesus Christ to be the complete atonement for our sins. And this is very important for us to understand. We have to have this belief that Jesus is who he says he is. Take a look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 19. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 16 through 19. The good news is that we have hope that what Jesus has established for us and what prophecy is being stated will indeed come to pass. And if we didn't have that, look at what it says in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 15. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Amen. Faith means everything. And believing that God's word is truth is everything for us. It's not meant to be confusing, but these words of scripture have a confounding effect if there is no discernment or understanding of truth. And it's meaningless if there's no faith. So that's the argument we have to understand how faith and believing in God's word is of the utmost importance for us. But now I want you to see something here. Do you see how truth and your faith must come directly from God? They have to come directly from God. We have to start here to understand the role of the three persons in the Trinity. All three persons are equally important because all three of these persons emanate from one God who desires for every person within the sound of my voice to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read the passage from verse 1 through 7, but I want you to see the totality of what this message is, and I also want you to see the ending in this particular passage as well, too. And... This is Paul, of course, writing to Timothy. It says in verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 2, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Amen to that. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. 
And I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. Paul is just telling the truth. He's telling the truth as given to him through the power of the Spirit by God. He's telling the truth because that's the truth that I had to acknowledge when it was time to recognize that Jesus was Lord of my life. Just telling the truth. Amen. Please now follow me through this journey and for this discussion. Let's begin with the premise that God is true. John Piper properly described the sum of God's word is truth. That was his statement. He stated that everything was made by God, therefore everything is sustained by God, determined by God, defined by God, including you. And therefore you cannot know who you are without God. Do you see that? You can't even know who you are without God revealing it to you. He had to reveal to you who you were, that you were a sinner in need of salvation, the grace of God. He had to reveal that to you. He had to give you everything that you have and understand. In our minds, believing in truth has to come from one who is wiser than you or me. And it has to be rooted in credibility. And this is a very important aspect of understanding truth and what it means to now allow faith to guide this principle. God, through his word, according to Piper, has to authenticate himself and give his word credibility. He enables us to believe in him. Did you hear that? He enables us to believe in him. Do you know how he does this? He does it through the promptings and the teachings of none other than the Holy Spirit. It starts with God. It brings us to him with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does the work to bring Jesus to our consciousness. Amen. Take a look uh, at some truths here in God's word. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Let's look at verse 160. Psalm 119, verse 160. And this will be from the Christian Standard Bible Version. Psalm 119, verse 160. The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgment judgments endures forever. And you may recognize some of these verses if you've been uh, participating earlier in this series when we're talking about God's truth and how God's word is truth. John chapter 4 verse 24 is another one. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, I'll let you go ahead and turn to John 14, 6, because this is a memory verse for all of us. John chapter 14, verse 6. And some of you who have memorized it, you probably already know what this verse is. But for those who haven't, that's okay. Let's take a look at John 14, 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. 
This is the ESV version. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And one more verse to look at here. Uh, just flip ahead to John chapter 16, verse 13. John 16, verse 13. And it's no coincidence that we're looking at the book of John uh, because John's message throughout his different uh, books and epistles is always talking about Jesus, the importance of Jesus and and what he represents for the foundation of our faith. John chapter 16, verse 13. This is a communication now about the Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. These verses that I just read cover all three persons or personalities of the Godhead. Now, some Christian churches provide insight as to their beliefs by providing statements. These are statements of faith. Uh, they're very, very common if you look at churches and what, what they represent and, and who they are and what they proclaim. And one of these statements would be, for example, in quote, we believe the Bible is the infallible word of God, which was written by specially chosen men of God as they were inspired and moved upon by the Holy Spirit. That comes from 2 Timothy 3.16. And, quote, we believe that, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, some references are made to Holy Ghost, are three separate entities that make up the Godhead. All three are in a complete agreement and yet they are three separate individuals, end quote. We see all three of these persons together in Scripture. Notice how regularly uh, where God provides this example for the purpose of teaching us this truth. Please turn your Bible's electronic devices to Matthew chapter 3. Let's look at verses 13 through 17. Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Starting at verse 13, this is the New Living Translation. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must, we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Verse 16, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, there are other Bible translations uh, for this passage in verse 15 that refer to Jesus stating that we must fulfill all righteousness. 
Jesus was all about truth, obedience to his Father, and righteousness before him. He is our best example for each of us as to how we are to fulfill his truth before others. The Father was present here with an audible voice as to how much he loves his Son. The Son of God, Jesus, was baptized as an example for others to see. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove. The dove is a symbol of peace. This event in history shows the presence of all three persons of the Godhead as a lasting testimony for all to consider. What's to consider? There are three co-eternal, co-existing persons of God, but only one God. Now, we accept this in faith because of what his word declares. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and look at verse 4. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. This is the New King James Version. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God... The Lord is one. Now flip over to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 8 in Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, verses 6 and verse 8. This is also going to be, well, this is a different version. It's the ESV version. But starting at verse 6, Isaiah 44. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Fear not, nor be afraid. That's verse 8. Have I not told you from from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. Jesus used those very same words. I'm the first and I'm the last. The Alpha and the Omega. Because it's one God that's speaking. Take a look please at James chapter 2 verse 19. An important point here. James chapter 2 verse 19. And this it will be also the, this will be the New Living Translation, James chapter two verse nineteen. Verse nineteen, James chapter two. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. The demons know. There's one God. The demons know of his authority. Now, this leads us to the principle of faith in believing this particular truth because we have nothing to lose here. If the demons believe in him, we'd certainly need to have a very, very curious uh, curiousness about who God is, right? The demons know who he is. Even those who claim to be atheists are really more about worshiping self rather than acknowledging that God exists. Nevertheless, there will come a time and place that 
at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That comes from Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11 in the King James Version. Of course, this is a prophetic statement. This is a statement where this indeed is going to occur in the future. It's going to come to pass because we serve a Jesus that tells the truth and does not lie. Amen. Does not lie. Go to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23, verse 19. Go all the way back to Numbers now. Numbers 23, verse 19. Numbers 23, verse 19. And this is a statement, you're either going to believe it or not. It's very straightforward. From the New Living Translation, Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Man, you probably it would be great to be able to read that verse early and often on certain days. Just to reinforce that God is who he is. And what he says is going to come to pass. And every word that he iterates, it's really the essence of his very will. Our path of righteousness is through none other than Jesus Christ. As we mentioned in John fourteen six, He was there in the beginning with God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what it says in the first chapter of the book of John. Go to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. He was there in the beginning. Look what it says in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not was not anything made that was made. Amen. So we need to see that Jesus was present even at the point of creation as we understand it. Now, here, here's more about the three persons through Scripture. I want you to listen to the plural pronouns that take place in these passages. Plural meaning... There is going to be a reference to us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Our likeness, our image. Go ahead and turn, please, to Isaiah chapter 6. Let's look at that. Isaiah 6, verse 8. Isaiah 6, verse 8. And these are all going to be from the English Standard Version. Uh, I believe the rest of these passages. Uh, Isaiah 6, verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. 
Here's a reference by Peter as to the different roles of the persons within the Trinity. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Now, we're going to call them roles, but I want you to understand, too, that these are no way exclusive. They're, it's just a way to point some things out about the God that we serve. Verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 1. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So we saw three different things there, didn't we? Now, they're not exclusive, but they do give us information to help identify God's nature and God's character. And he did all of this because he loves us. And of course, one more, Matthew 28, verse 19, which also should be a memory verse. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And I hope that doesn't bug you when I say something like that, but we're talking about really understanding and reinforcing the faith that we have and believing that God's word is true. And we should, in some way, internalize that truth. It's extremely helpful for all of us, for you personally and for you when you're sharing truth to others. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It is true that God has shown himself to be these three persons, and he has done so in a number of wonderful and mysterious ways. We see the three persons because of God's gifts to us, of his truth and his faith in him. And it's a great gift. These are great gifts to us. In James chapter 1, verse 17... New Living Translation Version, it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And take a look at Hebrews 13, verse 8, please. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Also a very, very important truth that we always need to internalize and remember. And it would be good to memorize this one as well, too. It's pretty easy, though. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the character of the God we serve. He never changes. Jesus has never changed and never will change. And for this, may we always be thankful, grateful, and give him praise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for God's word being true, you being true, and that we can look at the examples of the Godhead see them readily as we read scripture and see that they are all co-participants in how you demonstrate love for us 
and how precious we are in your sight. Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the Spirit teaching us these truths as we go along in life. Lord, we know that the Spirit is teaching us because you're teaching through the Spirit. And we thank you for that. Lord, may we continue to grow personally in our relationship with you. May we grow in such a way, Lord, where we overcome any issues of doubt in our lives and rest on the fact that you indeed are traveling with us as we go. This spiritual journey is our journey with you, Lord. We thank you for the teaching and we thank you again for the encouragement too. Lord, we need encouragement at times like this. Bless us and keep us, Lord. Strengthen us and continue to encourage us as we take the time to remain obedient to you and your will. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me today for this message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. We invite you to join us online on our Facebook page, Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, and also akronalliance.org. And we're on Instagram and Facebook as well, too. But we welcome you to just keep in contact with us. God bless you and take care of yourselves. And we will see you next time.